Hi everyone, it's John. And Ben. And welcome back to Santa by the Minute, the podcast where Ben and I talk about 1985 Santa Claus, the movie. One minute at a time. And this is going to be our last episode for 2020. We made it. We did. We made it through the year. Holy moly. I didn't know if it was going to happen, but we did it. (laughs) And we are on minute 40 this week. We are. This is pretty exciting. We're heading into the modern era Mm -hmm. here in the movie. There's so much going on in this minute. I know. Last week was just Dooley, Anya, and Claus. This week we have quite a bit to talk about. We do. It's so exciting. I'm I'm ready for this week. Okay, let's just roll up our sleeves and get into minute 40. <laughs> okay. So we pick up where we left off last week. Dooley has handed Santa an object and says it's something that Patch thought up. And Santa says... And that's a snow globe. It's an extremely common object. No, actually Santa is pretty impressed as he looks at it and says... Look at that. Isn't that a clever thing? Okay, so here we go. I guess we should talk about the timeline of this movie first, right, Ben? Well, yes, but I want to talk about the I want to I want to talk about the snow globe first. Okay. Before we move on and talk about the timeline of the movie, I just want to get this snow globe part in, and then okay. we can move on. Okay. All right. I have, I have some more to say about the snow globe as well. Okay. So before we move on from the snow globe. The snow globe is actually something that Patch gave Dooley decades earlier, but it got misplaced in Dooley's office, and he is just now remembering to show Santa this snow globe, and Dooley was wondering if his mind was starting to go because he couldn't remember little things like that anymore. So the the snow globe wasn't new to 1980s patch. This was like decades earlier. This was something that Patch thought up, but he just never it never made its way to Santa. So anyway, oh, okay, okay, you're well, well I still have a lot more to say. <laughs> yes, go right ahead. Okay, so <laughs> recently Ben and I had a watch through, which is rare. We usually were just talking about this one minute at a time. But we sat down, watched it from start to finish, because we wanted to pinpoint a timeline for this movie, especially the second half of the movie. Right. Which is very vague. Yes. We know it's modern time, but we want to pin down an exact date. We know the movie has a definite end date. It's two weeks after the last Christmas of the movie. Right. We know the actual movie itself was released in November of 1985. Right. So we didn't think the last Christmas of the movie would be Christmas of 1985. Right, because how would you have a movie about Santa Claus that was taking place after the movie came out? So we had to work backwards. So our end point of the movie would be like January 1985. Right. So the last Christmas of the movie would be Christmas of 1984. Correct. So going back and back a bit. Uh Uh-huh. The scene that's, scene that's taking place with Sleepy Santa at the dinner table yes, is probably Christmas Day, December 25th, 1982. Yes, yes. And Santa is looking like he's never seen a snow globe before in 1982. If you want to know when the snow globe was invented, of course you do, because I'm going to dive into it. The snow globe was invented in Vienna, Austria by Erwin Percy in 1900. And mass production began in 1905. In the U.S., the first snow globe-related patent was issued in 1927. 
So why would Santa be so impressed by seeing a snow globe in 1982? When I was a kid, I always assumed this was some sort of magical snow globe that helped him see what kids were up to. And then as I got older, it's like, oh, no, it's just a scene transition. Mm -hmm. But now boiling it down and putting all this into place, I don't think six-year-old John was too far off the mark. And by the end of this, I'm going to convince you that that's true. I think the reason Santa is so impressed with this particular snow globe that Patch invented is because it is a magical snow globe that's giving him the ability to see certain kids or kids in need. That's how he's become aware of Joe's plight in New York City. Because it's a time jump after he looks into the snow globe to the next Christmas. He's already been keeping an eye on Joe and Cornelia that entire year. Have I made a convincing argument? Because this scene here with the dually and the soup and everything, that's December of 1982. And then... It's going to be holiday season 1983 when we fade to the city because it's the following holiday season. See, I think this is where we differ. I am standing my ground. That's a magical snow globe that Patch invented. That's the only reason Santa would be so impressed to see a snow globe 80 some odd years after a snow globe was invented. Every mantle in the world must have a snow globe on it. Santa's like, oh my gosh, a snow globe. (laughs) No, it's because it is showing him a kid who needs Santa's help. I I am not debating this. I am debating the timeline. I don't. I thought we'd agreed on. I thought we'd agreed on the timeline. No, 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 no. no. Listen, listen, listen. No, I I can go with your. It's a magical snow globe, and he can actually see what's going on. I can go with that. Okay. However, when we jump to the scene transition, I don't think we're time jumping a year ahead. I believe that this is still Chris this is Christmas Day, 1982. The Salvation Army Santa Claus that we're going to see at the end of this minute, I believe is on Christmas Day. It's it, it, <laughs> So we'll we'll continue on with the timeline later, but I don't think that it is a time jump i think that this is actually he is looking into new york on christmas day 1982 okay that could be possible too i didn't think of that i just assumed okay this is the following christmas so this must be the holiday season of 83 no i think it's 82 okay guys originally we're going to talk about this off mic and i know we're jumping ahead a number of minutes for breaking all the movies by minute (laughs) podcast rules but we got to iron out this timeline. <laughs> so Ben and I are in agreement that the scene with Santa, the soup, and the snow globe is taking yes. place Christmas Day, 1982. Right. I assumed we had a transition to the following holiday season in the snow globe. Ben disagrees and thinks that Santa is actually seeing Christmas Day, 1982 in New York City. Right. I believe that when he is looking into that snow globe, he is actually seeing... Um, Cornelia and Joe and the chorus and everything on Christmas Day, 1982. Because on Christmas Day, people are still doing Christmassy things outside. There's still Santa Clauses outside. There's still choruses. There's still a whole bunch of stuff on actual Christmas Day. So so have I convinced you that that's a magical snow globe now and not just a well, scene I, transition? 
I I completely agree with you. I was the same. When I was younger, I thought that was him looking into the snow globe, seeing this particular scene. Like, I thought Patch had made a whole bunch of snow globes that were just like a bunch of houses all over the all over the world so he could see what was going on in the world. You know what I mean? So that's, that's what I always, that's what I thought when I was younger as well. And then, yeah, later on, I was like, oh, that's just a cool transition out of the North Pole into New York City. But I can totally go with your theory that it is magical, because that's what I thought when I was a kid. That's what you thought when you were a kid. So I could go with that. And that's also easier to swallow than Santa being mesmerized by a snow globe in modern times. Right. Yes. So Christmas magic for the win. <laughs> so anyway, let's let's dial it back a bit. W- welcome to our three-hour-long episode. <laughs> so this is December, Christmas Day, 1982. Yes. The Christmas of 1983 is when, spoiler alert, there is the patch defective toys. Right. That gets produced and distributed. Yes. Then December of 1984 is the year that the Puce Pops get distributed. Right. And then we know that the movie ends approximately two weeks after Christmas of 1984, bringing it to the end of our timeline, which would be like January, mid-January 1985. Yes. Okay, Mm -hmm. so. But the way it all plays out, I thought that the stuff in New York City that we're about to see, what you're saying is on Christmas Day 82... Yes. Like, all happened on the same night. The McDonald's scene that we'll see soon. No, McDonald's happens in 1983. Hmm. We're going to have to see how this plays out. Because I could also see that happening. Wouldn't that be the same night that Santa meets Joe for the first time? Well, we'll have to see when we get Okay, all right, all right. We'll have to see. We'll have to wait and see. But that's our our timeline. So far. Mm -hmm. Hopefully people are following along at home. We have, like, one of those conspiracy theory tack boards in the background with yarn connecting to various marks in Santa's history. (laughs) We're seriously going to have to make, like, a a graph or a graphic of some sort and put it on our website. Yeah. (laughs) Covering all the time from when Santa became Santa to the end of this movie. (laughs) So, anyway, moving right along. Yeah. We see inside the snow globe, and the scene transitions to the outside of a large townhouse on a snowy night in modern-day New York City. Mm-hmm. A street corner <laughs> choir is singing an original song for this movie. Did you ever realize this was a song written just for this movie? No, I never really thought about it. It's called It's Christmas Again, and it has lyrics by Leslie Barcusi, course music by Henry Mancini. Now, I know we've talked about Henry Mancini very early on in this podcast... But Leslie Barcusi also wrote the lyrics to all the songs in the movie. And it's like, well, I should look into him. So let's take a little detour and talk about Leslie Barcusi, because he has quite the impressive career. He was born in 1931. He was a composer, a lyricist, and a playwright. He's still with us at the time of this recording. He also wrote the music and lyrics for the songs in the films. Ready for this? Ready. Dr. Doolittle. Goodbye, Mr. Chips. Scrooge. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. He wrote the title songs to the James Bond movies Goldfinger and You Only Live Once. In addition to Henry Mancini, who we often collaborated with, he also collaborated often with John Williams. He did the song 
the love song, Can You Read My Mind from Superman? Because everyone in this movie seemed to have a connection somehow with Superman. <laughs> he did the songs for Hook. And he did the lyrics for Somewhere in My Memory from Home Alone. You know, the na, 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 na. Mm-hmm. That's Leslie Barcusi. Pretty crazy, wow. huh? I mean, he's right up there with, uh, like, Richard Sherman and Alan Menken. And <laughs> and those are just some highlights. Go check out his Wikipedia page. It's pretty darn impressive. I'm sorry I didn't give you your due earlier, Leslie. <laughs> so anyway, what we're hearing here is it's Christmas again. And I have the lyrics. Now, this plays underneath the action right from when it transitions to New York mm-hmm. to the very end of this minute. I don't know if it continues in the next minute or not, but we will stay tuned. But this is how the lyrics goes. I find it interesting because it literally is talking about what is happening on screen, more or less. It goes, time tumbles by, there's snow in the sky, and here it is Christmas again. Street Santas shout, the school kids are out. There is no doubt it's Christmas again. And life is fine, the shop windows shine, and children stay up until ten. And that's all we hear in this particular minute. I think all those lyrics are pretty appropriate. Yeah. Why isn't this a well-known Christmas song? I don't know. You can barely make it out (laughs) under all the action in the police car chatter and everything in this particular minute. But uh, that's a pretty nice song. When this movie came out, I was three. So the fact that I didn't know this was an original song is really not that hard to imagine considering it was just a song in a movie my whole life. It was like it should have just always been there, you know, but you don't really think about that when you're watching it. But it's so clever once you see it played out and actually look at these lyrics. Yeah, it works It's talking about street Santas and school kids are out, time tumbles by. But then there's also kind of like the irony of it saying, and life is fine while we're seeing Joe, the homeless boy, like trying to dodge the police on the streets of New York. So so good job, Henry Mancini and Leslie Barcusi. That was pretty clever. And this is why I love doing this podcast, because that's something I never gave a second thought about until we sat down and dissected everything. Mm Mm-hmm. And I suppose we should point out that none of this was actually filmed on location in New York City. This is all Pinewood Studios' backlot that we're seeing. You can't go into Google Street View and see where the actual BZ townhouse is or anything. Because we would have if we could have. (laughs) We definitely would have. That was definitely heartbreaking when we found out. It's like, oh, these aren't really in New York. When we went to New York, we probably would have tried to find it if it really did exist there. <laughs> so did you have anything from the book about where, where we are in time? Okay. So according to the book, this is what we're looking at right now is a colonial facade on a townhouse that sat on a side street in the East 80s. Uh, East 80s as in uh, geographically, not... Not the decade. Timeline. <laughs> On the border of the fashionable Upper East Side in one of the poorest neighborhoods in the city. So that's why you have this ginormous townhouse with rich BZ, which we don't know that yet, but 
everybody should know if they're listening to this podcast. So they have this rich colonial townhouse, and then you also have um, cops and uh, a homeless boy walking around in a and kind of like a rundown across the street. Like this is a showing a very good border of the two totally different types of life. So there's our street corner Santa. Mm-hmm. I know we get our first glimpse of Joe, but we have plenty of time to talk about Joe. So I know we will talk about Joe in a future episode. I just want to say that he is a 10-year-old boy. But the real star of this minute and about half of next minute is the street corner Santa. And let's give him his due. Okay. That's what we do here. We like to shine the spotlight on the actors behind the characters. And street corner Santa here is played by Walter Wally Goodman. He was a sporting actor on a number of British TV shows. Probably most famously, he was on The Benny Hill Show and Doctor Who, multiple episodes in the 70s. He was always a supporting player. He usually played like a befuddled bystander or a stuffy pianist. All the pictures I've seen online, he has like the big mustache. He looks definitely like the British, (laughs) I I never, you know, (laughs) type of character. And I actually reached out to Jack from Total Christmas Podcast and asked him if he had any additional things to add about Walter Wally Goodman. And uh, this is what he said. Ben, you can pull that up. Yep. He says, uh, from what I can tell, it seems he was just a bit part actor, but I'm familiar with a number of the shows he appeared in. Some of them were hugely popular at the time and are still considered classics. The ones that people in the UK of Jack's age would be familiar with are Terry and June, Z Cars, The Liverbirds, The Benny Hill Show, and of course, Doctor Who. The rest of his appearances seem to be much less popular shows. And this was his last credited role here as the street corner Santa in Santa Claus the movie. He's like, I made it. I'm in a Santa Claus movie. I'm a drunk Santa. I'm good. We don't really we don't see that in this minute, but uh, in next minute, spoiler that we see that he's not the most honest Santa. Well, I mean, you could kind Santa. of tell. You could tell by looking at him. He sh- his shifty eyes. <laughs> I could not find a birth date or a death date, but I am going to assume that uh, Wally is no longer with us because he he Probably. was pretty old in every picture I've seen from the seventies <laughs> and eighties. So wherever you are, Wally. We're glad that you played Street Corner Santa. <laughs> so let's talk about Joe a little bit. He, We see a boy walking along the sidewalk. He takes a folded newspaper out of a trash can and stuffs it into his jacket. Yep. Like uh, as a means to keep warm, I'm assuming. Yes, it's a way, uh, it's a way of um, insulating yourself against the cold. We hear some police radio chatter and the boy stops and ducks into an alley as a police car drives by. Mm-hmm. The boy grins as he avoided the police. We also see our first glimpse of a little girl peeking out the window across the street. You could barely make her out, though. <laughs> but technically, if we had to say, when does Cornelia make her first appearance in this movie? It's in minute 40. True. Mm-hmm. The street corner Santa then glances around, like looks one way, then the other, to make sure no one's looking and lifts up his donation box. For the record, the donation box reads, Make it a Merry Christmas for everybody. Give to the Urban Development Fund. 
Street Corner mm-hmm. Santa reaches into the box. The boy adjusts his newspaper, and our minute ends. I believe that newspaper, going through it frame by frame, I'm pretty sure it's a New York Times. It is, yes. Yep. I rewatched this minute in the uh, high definition version, and it is a New York Times paper, but you can't see a date. Uh, the date is obscured by his jacket. You're right on the ball. You knew what question I was going to ask. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to try to get a date out of you and look it up on some <laughs> New York Times database website, archive. So when he's walking down the sidewalk and he takes the newspaper out of the trash can, mm-hmm. of course, I'm going by the old DVD version. Yeah. There's a sign posted on the building behind him. Is that legible in the remastered high-def version? Um, hold on a second. The street sign says Fifth Avenue. You know, the funny thing is, um, looking at the high-def version, uh-huh. when you first see the street Santa... And you, he has his, uh, like, Christmas present box with the sign on it. Uh-huh. Uh, the first shot you see of him, that sign is not attached to the box. It's just laying next to it. Oh, yeah. I'm seeing it now that you mention it. Yeah. Uh, I can't really see what the sign says. It looks like it's signed City or, like, I thought it said Kathy at first or Cindy or something. It looks like it just says City, and I don't know... Something in garbage. I can't make out the whole thing. Something sprinkler system in garbage. (laughs) (laughs) Signed the city. I don't know. That's what it looks like it says. I don't know what it actually says. Now I have more questions than, uh, (laughs) than I did before. It does look like the city is like a signature. Yeah, it's it like does. Signs, sign city. <laughs> yeah, like it was like a handmade sign. I don't know. I feel like when we first see the street Santa, yeah, his collection bucket is a lot bigger than when he lifts it up. It looks more like a cardboard box when he lifts it up at the end of the, this particular minute, and it looks more like a collection kettle of some sort when we first see it. Um, no, they look the same to me. It just looks like the okay. sign was glued onto it when we see it at the end of the minute and it's just sitting next to it at the beginning of the minute so i think the size looks a little off because the sign was uh changed i will say there is a surprising amount of hustle and bustle for as how hard it's snowing out yeah if it was snowing this bad in new york in real life Nobody would be out and about walking around. Yeah, there, there's cer- there certainly wouldn't be a uh, street corner choir going on. No, there's an awful lot of snow for New York City for Christmas Day. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> New York doesn't get that much snow that often. And that is the end of the minute. Mm-hmm. As we see Joe kind of looking suspiciously at that santa across the street which we'll find out why in the next minute anything else to add before we wrap this one up no i just have notes on joe but i think we're gonna wait until the next minute to talk about joe we're gonna have plenty of time to talk about joe yeah so my i guess the next minute will take all of my joe notes and i'm at the end of my notes as well so this is a pretty jam-packed minute i think this is a good one to end the year on yeah i think so i think so so here's wishing everybody a happy new year 
we still have, what do you think, over a year of more minutes to go, so. Yeah, I mean, we have probably another 68 minutes, so we'll be doing another year end before the end of this podcast. (laughs) Yeah, we're not even halfway through the movie yet. No, not yet. (laughs) As always, if you would like to reach out to us, we always love hearing from listeners. If you have anything Santa Claus movie related you'd like to share, anything about this minute, you can reach out, and we are on social media, at Santa Minute on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And you can also email us, SantaByTheMinute at gmail.com. And remember, we post a brand new episode each and every Wednesday, and you can listen to any of our episodes. For free!